This episode is part of the series Know Your Candidates, conversations with city council and mayoral candidates for the election of 2017 in the city of Holyoke, Massachusetts. The Radio Plasma podcast does not support or oppose any candidate for public office. This is a nonpartisan, independent media outlet dedicated to promoting a peace culture, embrace diversity, conversations, sharing of opinions and ideas, and ensure diverse voices are represented in our media. Welcome to the Radio Plasma Podcast, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega. This is our series, Know Your Candidates, conversations with the candidates on the election of 2017 in the city of Holyoke, Massachusetts. Today, I want to welcome City Councilwoman for Ward 1, Gladys Lebron Martinez. Thank you so much for being here with us and welcome. Thank you, Johan, for the invitation, and I'm very honored for this invitation, honestly. So, thank you. So, you are the city councilwoman for Ward 1, and in this election, you are running for a new term, and this time also you have a contendent. So, this makes an interesting situation to talk about what is the current status on Ward 1 and what, what are the plans to continue the work. So let's start to get to know about you, Gladys, if you can share with us a little bit of your work and your experience and who is Gladys Lebron Martinez? Okay. Thank you, great question. So um, Johanna mentioned my name is Gladys Lebron Martinez. You did already mention that I am a in, in, in um, running seat for World One City Councilor, but before that I, I served on the school board for three years, I mean three terms, which is a six years term. Then ran in 2010 for um, city council, which I am doing my third term. If I win this round, it's going to be my fourth term. Um, been a resident of the city of Holyoke for the last 40 years. Um, a homeowner in World One for the last 20. Have uh, raised four children in the city of Holyoke who all graduated from Holyoke Public Schools and um, been, um, have worked in the past with Valley Opportunity Council at the WIC office level where I counsel and did a lot of nutrition counseling and also advocacy on behalf of the families who had children and then um, moved on to a, a model with the Department of Public Health that came through a program known as SEDE, but uh, actually later on in 1989, Nueva Esperanza became the administrator of the program where I worked, served there as the Health and Human Service in, in partnership with my... Um, colleague, rest in peace, Carlos Vegas, work closely with him. And then um, currently I'm at the uh, uh, Career Point, which is a workforce development organization, where I work with the business community as well as uh, work with the youth population. I'm the youth manager um, director there. And what I do is um, serving the youth population in any ways of career path, education, options of, of alternative education, if that's the choice. And um, I've been serving this community and within the capacity of not being political as well. What is it from from your perspective, the most gratifying experience being at city council and also working with the community and youth, uh, helping them to get into the workforce? 
in that in that in that scene and scenario, one of the greatest uh, gratification that I've gotten from this is actually building the pipeline of some of the workforce for the current positions and the future positions of some of these young people who will graduate someday out of high school as well as they would um, gone on to post-secondary education, come back to our community and be the driving force of or the workforce that it's needed as much as being um, said over and over that we don't have the workforce lined up for some of the opportunities that may exist in our communities. The, my role is to actually empower them, encourage them to continue education, uh, do intervention when there's necessary to assure that their pathways are working in the right direction, working with the families because it also includes parents when they're a minor and a little bit of, of the whole uh, wraparound services. Sometimes, you know, you can include all the families as I'm doing the work that I'm doing. And, you know, it's 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 something I've seen. The, you know, it's something when you plant to see, you've seen it. I've, you know, I've been at this for 14 years in this position that has to do with workforce development. So I've seen youth who at one point I picked up that probably were, you know, probably just struggling or having some challenges and who that graduated a high school, I mean, uh, uh, went through the middle school, went to high school, graduated, gone into college today. They're such a police officers. I have people who are working as um, in the health field, uh, radiology, you name it. I, I have a list of, if I went on, I could go on and on, paralegal um, opportunities that they at one point, you know, empowered to say and to believe that they can do this, and that's the work that I've been doing. On the city council level, what will be some of the most meaningful achievements during these six years? As you know, Ward One, it's it's it starts from Ward uh, from the Flats area that people know it, know it as the Flats, all the way up to some part of Pine Street, going up um, furthermore, and it's one of the most developed. Um, neighborhood, if you see, um, from the Green Performance Center being placed in that neighborhood that is paying taxes with people at the beginning it wasn't going to pay, and then it ended up in negotiation where they're paying taxes for their being there. It's one of the uh, areas where, you know, a lot of the developments, such as, you know, the, the Ray Street area, um, the Canal Walk, it's in that neighborhood, the Pagnelli Center, the coming up of the um, collaboration of Holyoke Community College and the casino with the Cubic building having GMs, MGM, I'm sorry, uh, being the workforce or, or training facility for the next um, and the current um, residents and, and others who may come in to, to try to take advantage of the services. And um, there's a lot of development that is happening and I know there's still more to become, you know, to come through that we need. Uh, others opening small businesses through the Sparks program that is being supported by some, you know, city DBG's fundings as well. And um, the, the the work that I'm you know basically doing is encouraging people to really come into town and consider what's happening and um, hoping that more you know through our venue or our means of communications through through places that you visit or you go to try to convince people to come out this way and see what Holyoke is all about. Should you continue your work uh, to the council, what are the priorities that you have identified as the most relevant right now for Ward 1 mm -hmm. in terms of different aspects that could be safety, that could be uh, job opportunities or education or development or community engagement. What do you see right now as the most important things to take care of? First of all, I'm a believer that whatever it exists should be supported first and foremost. Um, so supporting our small businesses to helping um, 
our, our, our young generation with the education, the reason why I'm also, I sit on the, uh, I'm part of the membership of the, the school and um, council joint committee, which um, my other colleague Nelson Ward too is, is the chair, but I was the chair before his uh, term. And it is to get our youth to become educated because what's happening is that we want to talk about economic development, we want to talk about bringing jobs, and the first thing that anyone who wants to come into a community want to open a business, the first thing they look at is what is the 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 academic or the uh, the, the the background of education that is in this community. Do they have the workforce to kind of open a business, for example? And they look at that as a part of their uh, surveying or evaluation or assessment of a community, and then. When you have a, you know, a community that at this point, you know, where we're at, you know, as uh, as being in a receivership, looking at the rates that um, uh, youth are or children or students are not graduating, it also gives people like that red flag, should I go invest there? Is it going to be worth it? Am I going to have to then train more than what I can, you know, really uh, benefit from those who are already ready and skilled for the workforce? And uh, my goal, this is why I, I, I focus on my piece of my Work council, as well as the, the the education aspect of anything I can do, because it is where we are going to build a community moving forward. Um, these are neighborhoods that have been neglected for years. Then you come in and how do you say responsive ratification is it's wanted when there's been neglect for 20 plus years. I've been here 40, and the lower wards you always know it's been one of the hardest that it's been thriving, and now you're seeing it thrive, and and it's a lot more work to be done. Um, so my work is not done. Uh, Lyman Terrace is an example of one of the projects that it created jobs and opportunities, and. Um, and I sit on the Holy Redevelopment Authority, and one of the things I always emphasize when we're going to allow someone to open a business, we're going to sell the land or anything that is going to take over, that's going to take place to support a business. I want to know how many jobs are they going to create, what is that they're bringing in, so that not, they don't get it just a cut deal here. It's about giving opportunities to uh, our community to get first bid on these opportunities. So one thing is uh, certain that you have been involved in many different aspects on supporting and helping community and different efforts towards this development. And it is great to see how much your involvement in different groups and different activities is shown. What do you think it will be the next things to do, being so well connected and so well engaged with your community? Mm-hmm. So. There, there is some of the, the I call it, um, cosmetic issues that people see pertinent, like sidewalks and what, you know, that's um, part of a CDBG, you know, process that, you know, people are asked. Um, and, and those are next steps coming up, but there were projects that needed to be taken care of before some of these sidewalks had to be done. There's been questions about the Lyman Terrace, uh, for example, bridge, it's not a city control issue. It's actually a state bridge owned, sort of like, you know, directed or, 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 or managed under. And that is a project coming up in this year, 2018. Last we've heard it was going to come for next year. Um, certain projects, you know, that has come to my attention. There is a list of uh, sidewalks that are going to be repaired that I did submit um, to our, our 
our administration to, to look into as the need of repairing because I do and I understand and I know and I've seen it myself, gone through neighborhood, I've done mapping of the community or the neighborhood where I've seen sidewalks that are still have tar on them that it means that they've never been repaired before. But because of certain projects happening within certain wards, they, they, these are part of what's coming up next. And I will push to get these particular projects done. And that it's part of in public safety. Um, right now, I know we are in, in a very serious um, public health issue. I will say that it is our, our epidemic of opiates. Um, it's one of, as, as mentioned, and I talk so much about my youth is because it has been my hope always to save our youth because they're the next generation to be here. They're the ones to take over my role. They will be the ones to be our leaders regardless who we are right now. Um, they're the ones who can step up, right? As the uh, uh, you know, as the change agent for the future, and what's happening is that I've seen and I continue to see so many youth getting involved in in this drug issue of op opiates, and and it's it's from all over. It's not only it's not only my race. This is ongoing. This is an issue. It's nationally happening. Um, but when you have a small town like ours, so you see it. It's sad. Um, it saddens me. And you know when I. I, I, the kind of work that I do, I still do outreach. I go out there for, you know, recruitment of my, my youth when I'm doing specific projects. So, um, and I run into a youth that I know that has so much potential and that I can get them off the streets and there's so much red tape. It's so much bureaucratic to try to get services for some of the young, young people. It's, it saddens me. And that's one of the things that I would love to get involved more in the issue of the epidemic that we're facing. This is a public health issue and it's like, when I came into the city of Holyoke in 19, in the 80s, it was the, the epidemic of AIDS just coming out. It was like more of, of lack of, of knowledge of the independence or the what, what, what was causing the epidemic of HIV. And I, I, and I got involved in doing um, what's called home-based um, education inside the homes and having conversations with the families for them to seek out the next level of support and advocacy and become the same, they become the navigators of their own lives a model based on Pablo Freire theory of people taking ownership of their responsible issues so that how do you take on, and, and this is, if believe it or not, some of the housing that uh, as well, uh, one in particular building was infest, infested at one point of, of uh, drug dealing going on in South Holyoke in one particular building, and by gathering the family, which the conversation was only on an issue of um, asthma, this conversation was what do you think triggers asthma and talking about secondhand smoke and whatnot, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching the transactions going on in the hallways and people coming in and out. And I, and I brought this conversation, how do we think that this affects our children? How does it affect our families? How does it help us move forward regardless of our health issues in addition to? So um, this group got together and it was a, an absentee landlord, for example, and we were able to mobilize this group that they took on the leadership. I'm a type of person who do not get credit for what I do. So I organized them, set them what to do. We organized them to have the housing court assist them with their, their um, receivership of this building, which they took over because it was an absentee landlord, doors open, no locks, different things in the hallways going on. And the, the, the neighborhood, uh, the, 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 the tenants, about 12 of them, got together and they became an owner of this, you know, the, the some person came and received the building 
in rehab didn't today exist. It was going to be one of those that are going to be condemned, and it didn't get condemned because of the people got united. This is works that I've done in the past. I am not that active this way anymore, which I, I think um, because of what I'm seeing, I got to get back into to, to doing this more particular work um, to help our population that is going to be devastated if we don't take a quick move on what's happening in, in regards to our epidemic of opiates. You're mentioning, of course, uh, issues about safety, about the epidemic on opioids. And of course, everything that gets involved into these situations. And I'm thinking more, more particularly on the needs and struggles that the flats have, feeling sometimes isolated from the rest of the city. How would you address this perception of not feeling part of the rest of the city? The flats, as you, if you, you know, you remember the history, the history of, the, of why flats, it's always been even divided by the train. It is because of what happened. It used to be the economical base where the factories and the mills existed back in the day. So somehow, you know, this, this divide, or it's not a divide to me. I, I reside in the ward myself. So it's actually also a more of a, of a myth being shared. Because if you look at it, that's where mostly all the homeowners live, okay? Um, you have more homeownership down in that area than what you would see at 1B, okay? Because 1B, the biggest, uh, you know, in a sense of, 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 of uh, residential, you have St. Kobe, you have, uh, you know, which is the, the, the St. Kobe area, you have... Um, the Lyman Terrace projects, it then, and you know, in some of the other higher rises, the, the flats, the ownership of being a homeowner has also uh, preserved more of what it is or what the flats area is. I saw, you know, the neglect that they probably feel this, like I said to you, I already know there's some sidewalks, I went there some walks, then some neighbors and, and identify places that needs to be repaired. I have uh, responded to every order that I have been requested to to take care of, um, and it's it's proven. Anybody can look up. This is this is a system that's called Munis system. You can you know request it through the city as well through the clerk office to request what orders have you know. Um, these are public records. The way that one order it's requested, I submit, and then it goes through a process. I also feel that. People also need to understand there's certain orders that do take longer than others, and they people think that it hasn't been processed. An example is if you has asked for a handicap parking, that does not get determined. It's sent to an ordinance committee that then sends it to the disability um, commission sort of group that then decides on the the decision of if it's going to be awarded or not. And I think, you know, that's what I have been going back to people, like explaining, because people do get upset if you're a homeowner and you have your driveway, and now you're asking me to put a handicap in front of your house when sometimes that it gives another person, you're taken away from a parking space from another resident within that same street. It is the reason why sometimes it's neglected and people are upset because they still want it regardless. So those are the only reasons that I have found that people do not have it clear on when it comes. So again, every order is presented at a city council, then is moved to a committee that the committee then decides on the vote. 
And that needs to be clear that it's not Gladys making that decision. It's a whole body of 15 of us that would need to vote on a decision. 10 should go depending on what the decision of the vote it requires. Could be an eight vote or a 10 vote depending on what we're talking about. And that I think it's more of the other part that I would love to begin to do more work on educating people about it because we have an issue with that particular area uh, in now some of my orders are even sitting, you know, in a, in a limbo for the reason being we had a, a turnover with staff that a lot of them require engineering decisions. It was a DPW person that, you know, is no longer in staff, and some of my orders are sitting there, which I'm tracking down because I filed them. Could have been October last, this past year, you know, or, you know, I'm just saying, you know, probably a couple of months ago, and because of that transition that this person left, there's a lot of things that they're still catching up. And I'm trying to do, you know, follow my due diligence of, of following up on what is my responsibility. This election of 2017 brings one contendent for your reelection and is someone who actually was under your, your mentoring at some point in time. So how is it for you knowing that not only uh, for your work, but others are being contended? This year is an interesting election because we have several wards being Ward 1, Ward 2, Ward 3, and Ward 6 having more than one candidate. Correct. How do you feel about uh, having a contendent yourself? Well, as mentioned, my opponent knows and I, um, I respect uh, his, his role to run. This is a, a country that gives us a democratic opportunity and I'm happy that you know he, he feels that he can handle the responsibility. I want to just announce that I'm one of four women in the council. You know, there's 15 of us now, but they will be going down to 13. I am one of four women in the council. It is one of those moments that you, you, you know, you got to understand that everyone has the right to run if they can, you know, provide the services and the demand of our, our residents in the community as required. In that, I have no control. I have to, you know, respect that. Again, my work will continue regardless if I'm in politics or not. I've always done it regardless of being in a council or not. I took the role to run for office. When the people charged me to do so, I was stepping down from from my school board and people said, we need you on the other side. There's no one representing us. When I came on board, it was myself. Well, Diodado then, I'm sorry, Diodado first, myself as a second Latina woman, and then um, Soto came on board, and then Josie, then now Nelson. But I have to say that I will continue to be an advocate regardless I would always champion, I would always advocate for my, my youth to get opportunities for the business to grow, everything. It's in my best interest. I'm a taxpayer, number one. Number two, I have an investment here. I have grandkids going to school, growing up in this neighborhood, growing up in this city that I must, right? Assure that this is a uh, acceptable, loving, place for my grandkids and my family. So I would always be here regardless if my politics is still in. If I'm not in, hey, it, it was probably my time to kind of like I say wrap it up. But I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for the challenge. I'm ready to work hard at what I have to do. We'll continue to do what I have to do. Today, you know, I'm working with families who are actually with the devastation of Puerto Rico, um, moving forward to United States. My first, some, you know, um, so we all are doing a, a different task 
that in addition, and I think this also has to be very clear, clear in our, our residents' eyes, I'm a full-time employee. Doesn't mean I cannot handle the job, I can. But we have a limit of when we can serve in the timing, meaning it has to be doing after work hours. As you can see, my interview had to start beyond my work hours. I can take a call before, and then I can deal with it within noon time. I make my phone calls. I meet with people at, no at lunchtime. That's my private time that I can do this. I can meet with people on weekends. I catch up with people on weekends. I can do this. Very different when you look at other communities. For example, Boston, you're a city council in Boston, you get paid fully, and plus you get paid big chunk of money to serve, but you're serving all day. So you have all that flex. So people have to also be patient. My number's listed, we're listed on channel 15. My number's public in, in our website at the city as well. You call me, you're gonna get my call back. Just give me now the time for this order to be filed so we can move forward with the request that you've made. And that is the only part that I think our community needs to or, you know, in certain neighborhoods needs to learn that there are certain things that take time. It takes resources. The first thing I, when I ran an office, I, I, when I went in the neighborhood, people complained about the Peña Park, which is at the corner of Center Street and East Dwight Street. Gladys, this sprinkler has been placed here, but it's never been used. That was before my time. When I researched and got into and speaking to DPW and Parks and Recs and figuring out what it was, the t just when I got into office, the warranty had expired. So there was that had to take an investment, a request for the CDBG money to come from in an administration to approve and help me get this funding to get this sprinkler going. And immediately when I, you know, I got sworn in in January, those were issues that I was brought to my attention. I immediately moved on it. And that summer they had a sprinkler system running. So things like this, people, you know, it's not like it's gonna happen. It's immediately you tell me today, I can get a, uh, a system, get up and going. And sometimes it requires money, it requires resources, it re requires committees, it requires additional resources. It's like, you know, that's the only difference that I can say um, that I would love for people to, you know, question when you're not understanding if you, you know, if you don't get that response in the re in immediate, um, um, moment, but also, you know, that these orders are posted. You should look them up if you need to. If you are not able to call me, I'm willing to, to do that and give you more response to that. Um, and that's my role this time around. I'm definitely going to make sure that if, you know, somebody doesn't know more, I take some time to then explain me even better to, for them to understand. I normally do when somebody asks me for, for example, I, 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 if you look at my neighborhood, could take a drive, I might be the handicap queen because that's what mostly I get. I get more requests for handicap areas than anything or, or, or that are, that we get a residence permit to park in certain areas only because of the limit of parking, especially uh, a recent order on Lyman Street that they are asking me that because a corridor and the, what's happening with the construction in addition. So when it, when in reality the construction gets completed, people want to assure that they have parking because others are coming and parking on the streets. They come around trying to find their own personal parking because they reside there and they can't park. So that's a new order that's, you know, it's on its works. Of course, you're not going to see it right now because they're going to finish the construction. Then it's going to be worked on in... These are certain projects that are, that are still kind of on hold because it cannot be seen immediately. So right now we are 
getting closer and closer to the election day. What is the plan? What is the strategy for campaigning? Uh, how can people get in contact with you? Okay. Again, um, my number is listed. If you want to uh, support, you want to assist in my campaign, becoming involved, helping me door knock, uh, it, it, holding signs, making phone calls, and even if you want to donate to the campaign, because also that's another thing we all have to pay for every material we we gotta you know get out there and every cost for our promotion of our campaigning it requires funds so um that is also acceptable that you can send the check to our treasurer genesee d martinez at 224 elm street holyoke mass 01040 and that's how i would ask for people to support me any last remarks that you have Again, uh, as you know, our elections are, are coming up. Um, we do have a deadline for anyone who have not been registered, which is October 18th. And um, you still have a chance to register if you have not been registered. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that because you're registering, you're registering for Gladys Lebron. You're registering because you want to have a voice. You want to have a decision uh, in the power of a vote. And I, I urge you and encourage you to register. You can go to City Hall at the city, uh, the um, voter registration uh, office and get registered there. You can also go on the website. There is a voter um, website online that you can go to. And um, you can um, call me and I can bring you the form at, at 535-5075. And my cell phone is 335-2455. And I'd be happy to get it to you. And my email is um, votegladyslebron dot martinez at gmail.com well gladys thank you so much for this time this opportunity to have this conversation to know about your plans your campaign your work thank you for the six years of work for the city and also for all the work that you that you have been doing for so many years and there are many different aspects mm -hmm. it's uh, a really important role the one that you have being an example of leadership and representation of the Latino community and also for the women in, in our city. And the invitation remains open for you to come back anytime that you need to share anything with the with the community. This is a space that is open for this type of conversations and to keep that engagement with everyone in the city of Holyoke. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much for This good. is City Councilwoman Gladys Liberal Martinez running for re-election in this 2017 election in the city of Holyoke, Massachusetts. And this is the Radio Plasma podcast featuring the series Know Your Candidates. This episode was produced at the Plasma Media Lab here in the Gander at Youth Development Center in Holyoke, Mass. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega. Thank you for listening.